This morning we have a privilege to um, listen for just a few minutes to Amber Wolf, who's uh, one of our uh, members here at uh, Grace. And uh, Dave and Amber have been uh, truly a wonderful addition to our fellowship. And um, she has opportunities to minister in Uganda. And uh, one of the things we've been emphasizing throughout the month is missions. Um, you know, in the Great Commission, the Lord says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And so we have the, the spirit of the living God in us if we belong to him. So when Amber goes, um, she's going, the spirit's going with her. And so we're just thrilled that she's able to uh, minister in Uganda. And she's going to come up right now and share with us just briefly about her ministry. So Amber, would you come?
Um, so in 2017, we went, and this is the plot of land that we had to work with. Um, it was overgrown, it was empty, and we had to clear it out, and this is 2018, this is that same plot of land with the school that we decided to build. Um, and we actually got stagnant here, we kind of ran out of money, and thanks to Grace, they, uh, with a one-time donation, gave us enough money to put on the roof of the school. And there it is, part of the building with the new roof. And it opened a month later, just last month. Uh, in January, we were there and we were painting the inside of it. And there it is. And it opens. That's the preschool class. Um, it is a Christian school. It's the only school within, I think, a five-mile radius that these kids would have walked to and not gotten a Christian education as well. So, and they are learning English and uh, getting their religious studies there. Um, that was them pinning some frequent sins on their cross. That was part of their study. And food, that's a big thing with this school, is also the kids get at least one meal a day, which they, they usually don't get um, food every day unless they go to school. And that is, this is the church that is still not, this is just a temporary building that we're using. And in 2017, we actually used, um, we had to do church service and medical, our medical camps outside. And this church is actually, serves us both currently right now. Um, that's the inside of the church. Um, and this was our first medical camp. This was the waiting room. It was outside. That was the land that you saw that we had cleared out the day before. Um, that was the doctor's office and the pharmacy. It does not want to stop there. Um, let's see there. Now that's a doctor's office. We're inside the church. That little girl, she was sick. She had malaria. She wasn't feeling so hot. And that was a thank you for the kids for putting a roof on their school. <laughs> Mic drop. Thank you, Amber. It's great to see how the Lord uh, uses uh, different members of his body all around the world. And we're thankful for your willingness to be there and that grace can be a part of that. What a privilege it is. And uh, all of us have a mission field. It's at work, at school, at play. Uh, everywhere we have an opportunity to represent Jesus Christ. And we don't want to forget that. I wanted to make mention of baptism as well coming up on Easter Sunday, the 21st of uh, April. If you're interested in being baptized, uh, I'd love to sit down and talk with you about that opportunity. So you make sure you uh, come see me, schedule an appointment. I'd be happy to to sit down with you. It's very important to publicly demonstrate that you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not only a command from the Lord, but we identify with the Lord and it's in obedience to Him. And we want people to, to know that we belong to Christ. We're a Christ follower. So I encourage you in that if you're interested uh, on Easter Sunday morning. Why don't we have a word of prayer? Let's uh, stand together and let's pray. This Well, Lord, we just saw just pictures of um, progress in Uganda and how your, your love uh, is being spread throughout Uganda, um, your gospel. Um, we thank you for Amber and for all those 
who go to Uganda for their willingness to be there, their willingness to, um, to lay aside really the comforts of this, uh, this life here in the United States, to, to go to Uganda to um, be able to be there and to be able to share uh, their lives with these uh, young people and with the adults. And so we just pray for Amber and for her ministry. We're thankful for it. And we just ask that you'd continue to be in that ministry. And Lord, this morning, um, I pray that our minds are here. That we've come with a focus and a preparation uh, not to worship man. Because man is not worthy of worship. Only you are. And so, um, we don't want in any way for man to be worshipped. We want all the glory and all the honor to go to you. And so I pray that that's our mind and that's our heart. And I would pray, Lord, that we would be open to your Spirit's instruction through the Word this morning as we look at one of your uh, servants and his life and what happened in his life. And um, I just pray that you would help us to learn from it, help us to be teachable. Lord, help us to always be teachable. Um, and help us, Lord, to depend on your spirit uh, that lives within all of us who belong to Jesus Christ. And so we want you to get the glory in everything this morning. And we just commit our time to you in the name of Jesus Christ, who is the only Lord. Amen. You know the rope she's standing, remain standing, right? That's good. It's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord today, and we've come together to worship the Lord, and what a beautiful day we have for that, amen? It's just a good time. Boy, y'all were really excited this morning. I'm glad to hear, to hear that. Uh, but anyway, before we uh, sing uh, and, and worship together, uh, just like you know, we've got Naomi with us today, and uh, she's, uh, she's just come home. That's, that's, that's the way. She's not visiting with us. She's come home. She's going to close out the service uh, for us today, so we're always glad to have Naomi back. Uh, also today, we're going to have a special guest, and her name is Sammy Zell. And, you know, we were practicing a, a song uh, several weeks back, and, uh, and it has a cello in it. You know, now we have a keyboard over here that can make a lot of good sounds and stuff, but it's not like the real thing. And Joellen uh, 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 Ingram said, hey, I've got a friend that plays a cello. And I said, talk to her. And so uh, she's good friends with, uh, uh, so Sam is good friends with Joellen. So Joellen got her. And anyway, so Joellen uh, is here to, to play for us and to help us out with the uh, choir number a little bit later on. Do it. Do it. Oh, yeah, oh, Joe, uh, no, okay, Sam, Sam, Sam's going to do it. Well, no, because, see, Sam's the one who's just graduated from Sanford and got her bachelor's degrees in music composition. So, I mean, yeah, that's quite a, quite a feat right there. And I said, was well, there anything else going on in your life? She says, well, I've been married 10 years, and I'm glad she's, she's excited about being married 10 years. <laughs> you got one, one child anyway. But she, she's just taking her time and been with us and worked on the music and everything. I just want to let you just go ahead and introduce her so when she's up here. Uh, but before you leave tonight, uh, she's right back here. So when, before you leave today, uh, just say hello to Sam. Uh, you know, there's one thing for sure. In a, in a day when there's no peace at all, it seems like, and you can't rest on anything that anybody say, says anymore, there is one thing that we can rest on. It, it, is, it is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Amen? We can rest on that. So let's sing that together. My faith has found a resting place.
life has found a resting place, not in device nor creed. I trust the ever-living one, his wounds for me shall bleed. This ends my fear and doubt. A simple soul, I come to him. He'll never cast me out. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for Yeah. Mm-hmm.
my favorite verse. My sin, oh my bliss, of His glory has My sin, not in Christ, but the Lord is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. It is beloved hymns in Christianity, It Is Well With My Soul, written by Horatio G. Spafford. <coughs> Mr. Spafford was a wealthy lawyer who lived in Chicago, owned a great deal of property there. A terrible fire swept through Chicago in 1871, killing over 300 people and leaving 100,000 people homeless. He lost most all of his property due to this fire. But he and his wife, Anna, ministered to the many other people who had lost everything. The year before, they had suffered a great loss in that their four-year-old son, their only son, had died of scarlet fever. Dwight L. Moody was a friend of Mr. Spavard's, and Mr. Moody was scheduled to speak in England. This was two, two years after the great Chicago fire. So Mr. Spavard and his family planned to travel to England to hear Moody preach. At the last minute, he was unable to go due to business, but he sent his wife and four daughters on ahead. The oldest was 11, the youngest was just two. They boarded a ship, but four days out, the ship collided with an ironclad, an iron sailing ship and sank in a mere 12 minutes. His daughters all drowned, but his wife, Anna, was found floating in the water, clinging to a piece of the ship. As soon as she reached shore, she telegrammed her husband with these words, saved alone. 
Mr. Spafford immediately left and set sail to be with his wife. As the ship reached the area where his daughters had drowned, the ship's captain informed him that this was the vicinity where the ship had gone down. This is where he penned the words to this beautiful hymn. If his circumstances were such that he was at peace or in the midst of a raging storm, he knew our sovereign God, and it truly was well with his soul.
Let's all, let's all pray together, may we? Father, how wonderful it is to know that we can come together today and celebrate the fact that it is well with our soul as long as we're trusting you in all things. Lord, I'm just thankful that in a world of chaos and confusion and what we, uh, appears before us day after day after day, Father, we can come together and know that you provide the peace in our heart no matter what the circumstances. And it's all because of you, God, and all because of what you've done. And Lord, just as the first hymn we sang, Lord, just to know that it is enough it is enough that you died for us. We have no worries about eternity. And God, we just want to thank you for that. And we want to praise you and want to worship you for that, Lord. So, Lord, thank you for the peace that passes all understanding. And, Lord, we just ask you that you would just help us to just rely on you day in and day out as we go through this life, Father. And we go through the battles, and we go through the successes. And, Lord, everything that happens to us, Lord, we know that you are with us, and you're with us always. And you will never, ever forsake us. So, God, thank you for that peace. Thank you for that love, God. And thank you for the, your word, Lord, that we can rely on. And, Lord, I just pray that uh, your word will pierce our hearts this morning as Thad comes and brings us the message that you've given to him. And, Lord, just speak to our hearts these, at this time. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Thank you, Sam, for joining the choir this morning. I want to ask you a question as we start. It's kind of a, a heavy message today in one sense because... Um, it, it requires a question right up front, um, and that is, are you running from the will of God? You know, I think when you look at a story like Jonah, you, you go, okay, well, he was running from the will of God, <clears throat> but um, we could be doing the same thing. And remember, as I've said, it doesn't always have to be this big, huge thing. I mean, are we running from the will of God as it pertains to what we know the Word tells us to do? Like, love our wives as Christ loved the church. I mean, there may be some husbands running as far away as they can from that. No, thank you very much. Um, it may be something like stewardship, that God has entrusted us with, with finances and with money, and he, he wants us to be good stewards of what He's given us. And, and you're like, well, I'm not really interested in that. I'm going to do things my way. You see what I'm saying? I mean, it could be more than just this, well, God wanted Jonah to go and preach against the wickedness of Nineveh, like big things. I think we tend to categorize at times, well, these are big deals, and these aren't such big deals. But um, everything that God wants us to do is a big deal. Wouldn't you agree with that? Right? So he wants us to love our children, and he wants us to discipline our children. Big deal. I mean, God says for us in Scripture, these are the things that I want you to do. So a lot of times, as it pertains to being in the will of God, we think about these humongous things. And, and while this is a humongous deal in the life of Jonah, I think there are lessons for us on everyday things. Does that make sense? Everyday things, am I in the will of God? So I want you to think about that as we go through our study of this morning. 
If you have your Bibles, go to the book of Jonah, and we're in chapter 1. We're still in chapter 1. And we will be in chapter 1 probably a couple of more weeks. So the question is, to this point, are you seeing yourself in this book? Do you see yourself already in this book? Right? I, mean, I think it's one of the things also that you must ask yourself as you're going through this short little letter. Um, when is it that you see yourself? It didn't take long for me to see myself in this book. I, there have been times in my life where I've run far away from the will of God. Lord, I'm not interested in doing that. That's hard to admit, but I think it's true for us that at times we just disobey. And we have a disobedient prophet here. And so one of the things we have to consider as we move through the book is are we seeing ourselves in the book of Jonah, in Jonah uh, himself? But also, I think one of the main themes through the book is the sovereignty of the Lord. Are we seeing the sovereignty of God as we're working ourselves uh, through this book? Remember, Jonah was told by God, hey, look, I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to preach against the wickedness of those people. And Jonah's like, no, thank you, and he takes off, and he's going to run away from the will of God, and he goes to Joppa, he's buying a ticket to Tarsh, which is a long way off, 2,500 miles. He's running a long way off. And you remember what it says in, in chapter uh, 4, verse 1, and the Lord. <laughs> but the Lord, the Lord hurled this storm in Jonah's life, all right, to get Jonah's attention. And remember, the, the sailors, man, they're scared, right? Uh, they're fearful, the Bible tells us. Um, the Bible tells us not only were they scared, but the Bible tells us they're crying out to their gods who, you know, there's only one God who's alive. But they're crying out to their gods, they're praying, and then they get so desperate they unload their livelihood. So you see in here, as Jonah is in his disobedience, the Lord is still moving with his prophet. He is chasing after his prophet. Because remember, we said last week, the, whom the Lord loves, he what? He chastens those people. He's going to chasten you, and he's going to chasten me when we are out of his will, if we belong to him. That's going to happen. Um, so we see God's storm. We see the Lord using the captain. Because you remember why the sailors are, are fearful and scared and whatever. You have Jonah. He seems way too comfortable. He's snoozing through his disobedience. And so the Lord uses a captain to wake him up. And then we saw last week the lot. <laughs> they cast lots. They agreed amongst themselves to cast lots. And the lot accidentally fell on Jonah. No. No. The lot fell on Jonah because the Lord, God, is in control. Oh my goodness, even in the midst of disobedience, my friends, the Lord is working in his people. We said last week about that, um, we used a quote by Jerry Bridges, and in the middle of that quote, I really like what he says, God does as he pleases and works out every event to bring about the accomplishment of whose will? His will. His will is going to be accomplished. And so this week we move to what I've entitled like the swaying courtroom. Now you could kind of get a picture here in, in Jonah 1, 8, and 9 that things are calm. You know, the sea's almost still. And, and here all of a sudden they're having this inquisition and, and everything's just normal. But it's not normal. The waves are still battering the boat. There's no telling how loud it was and how loud they had to be. 
And there's this courtroom setting that we have in verses 8 and 9 of this particular chapter. And I've given us our first point to think about this morning is the Inquisition. (laughs) Oh my goodness, this so much reminds me of Columbo for some reason. Um, You you guys ever, I mean, maybe I don't know about you younger. Listen, I know now though, you can go get, what do you call that, Netflix thing? And you you can find that Columbo, right, this detective. And Columbo always had what? When you think about Columbo, he always had one more question. I mean, he could be standing right in front of the person that he felt like was guilty, and, and he's walking away, and then he'll go, oh, yeah, but now I did want to mention this one thing. And you're like, yeah, he's got him, right? Well, that's kind of the scene I have here pictured in this verse, verse 8. Um, after the lot falls on Jonah, verse 8 says, then they said to him, tell us now. Now. <laughs> hey, since the lot's fallen on you, on whose account has this calamity struck us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And oh yeah, one more question. What, from what people are you? Now remember, we can't get in our minds that there's this calm storm. It's, this is a storm, big time. I mean, things are crazy. And these guys are like, hey, tell us now. You know, there's no time for delay. I mean, think about the circumstance. The boat's breaking apart. And so these guys come with questions. Um, And I have just some thoughts here about these questions. We're not told why they specifically ask these questions, but these are kind of my thoughts about them. Number one, question one seems to be an attempt to get an acknowledgement of guilt. On whose account has this calamity struck us? Where where did the lot fall? On Jonah. So what are they trying to do? Hey, maybe get Jonah to admit, hey, I'm guilty. You done that with your kids before? Maybe your kids did something and you know they did it. You ever done that as a father? I always used to like, I mean, I I didn't like it because I didn't like they were disobeying. But I like that approach. Hey, son, by the way, did you notice? And when kids are guilty, you ever watch a kid guilty? They start squirming, right? And what are they thinking about? The consequence of the guilt. Uh-oh, dad knows. Uh-oh, mom knows. And then as they get older, like, how do they always know? Well... Jonah was guilty, wasn't he? Questions two, uh, question two seems to be an attempt to discern if something about his occupation was causing the storm. <laughs> and it's interesting that Jonah, who did he work for? The Lord. Yeah. Oh, by the way, guys, I work for the Lord. Oh, by the way, guys, I work for the one who is the God of this sea. I work for him. Well, it's obvious that at some point in time, Jonah told him exactly that. Look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. Um, this is a reaction. This is kind of a transitional verse. We'll look a little bit more at this next week. It says, Then the men became extremely frightened, and they said to him, How could you do this? The men knew, now look at this, that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told him. So at some point in time, Jonah had told them, 
hey, look, I work for the Lord. I'm a prophet of the Lord. So this could be the second question, an attempt to discern. If something about his occupation, hey, listen, who's mad at you, Jonah? Have you done something? Um, And then question three through five seemed to be an attempt to uncover which God or gods was responsible for the storm. In other words, hey, where do you come from, right? What country do you come from? Where are your people? Maybe if we can learn that, we can find out what God or gods are mad at you. Because these guys, remember, these were Phoenician sailors who had been on that sea. So storms took place, but this was unlike any other storm. This was God's storm. So as I was thinking through this inquisition, I came up with this application. Sin against the Lord can put one in an uncomfortable spot or position. True? Let me show you an illustration. Go with me to Matthew, the 26th chapter. Matthew 26. There are a lot of biblical examples where believers were uncomfortable. This is a pretty interesting one. It's one of the top three that came to my mind. Because remember, sin against the Lord can put one in an uncomfortable position. You know, that happens in the church. Sin in the church can put a person or persons in an uncomfortable spot. You know, sometimes we're asked, do you believe that's a sin? You ever been asked that question? Can I encourage all of us that whenever someone asks you, do you believe that's a sin? That we wouldn't give them our own wisdom? Because sometimes I've even heard people say, oh, well, that's not so bad. Sin, my friends, is against God. And every sin is bad. Go to the Word. Let the Word define sin. You know what legalism does? Legalism lets man define it. (laughs) And I have story after story I could share with you which I'm not going to about people who have called such and such a sin, and then nowhere in the Bible can they be found. It's just their own opinion. Let the Lord define sin. Is that okay? (laughs) I mean, how many... I have been told a hundred times about different things about me, because when you're in public life, you know... You're just always scrutinized. Well, that I don't like when you. Or that I don't like this about you. Or that I'm like, was it a sin? I have hair on my face. Oh, no. You know, I was in pastoral theology. 
in school, they did teach us about different areas of the country not liking certain things. Man's rules, you know what man's rules will get you? In trouble. Because when do they stop? Who makes the rules? Did you get the memo? Well, this is Peter. Do you know Jonah and Peter, they just remind, I guess I identify with these guys. I'm like, wow, Peter, you know. Um, if you go to verse 31, it says, Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, or stumble is the word there, stumble. Because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. But Peter answered and said to him, Even though all may fall away or stumble because of you, I will never stumble. Let me ask you a question. You believe Peter meant that? Yeah, I do. Absolutely. So do we. Right? Lord, I'm never going to do that again. Boy, how many times have I said that in my life? So Peter says, hey, look, all may fall away, but not me, Lord. Jesus said, verse 34, Truly I say to you that this very night before a cock crows, you shall deny me three times. I wonder how Peter must have received that. Because we don't have everything. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. Whoa, he's up to Annie. He's like, hey, I'm not going to fall away. And by the way... I'm willing to die with you. Jesus said to them, excuse me, then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which were James and John, and began to be grieved and distressed. And then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. He went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father... If it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but thy will be done. And he said that the disciples, excuse me, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. Said to Peter, say, you men could not keep watch with me for one hour. Keeping watch and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this can not pass away unless I drink it, thy will be done. And he came back and found them doing what? Praying? No, sleeping. The eyes were heavy. He left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is going is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Arise, let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. That's a sad passage. It's interesting, I'd never connected the two, I don't think too much, but I got to thinking about what the Lord asked them to do and how it connects to the next section we're going to read. What did he ask them to do? Watch and pray. They didn't do that. There's times in the Christian life 
we need to heed the instruction of the Lord Jesus and watch and pray. Because we're going through something and we want immediate answers because God is an immediate answer God. And this is what I expect of you. An immediate answer just like when I put my hamburger or pizza in the microwave, 30 seconds later it's done and it's ready for me to consume. Lord, don't you get it? Sometimes that's how we treat the Lord. <laughs> Watch and pray. Well, go to verse 69. Wow, how uncomfortable sin is. Because listen, you can paint it any way you want to. The bottom line, Peter lies here. Look at verse 69. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a certain slave girl came to him and said, You too were with Jesus the Galilean. But he did what? He denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are talking about. I want you to notice the progression with these. So first he says, I do not know what you're talking about. Verse 71 when he had gone out to the gateway, another servant girl saw him and said to those who were there, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. Uh-oh. Stakes just went up. I do not know the man. So not only does he declare that he doesn't know the man, but... The Bible says here, he denied it with an oath. I don't know the man. Verse 73, a little later the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Surely you too are one of them, for the way you talk gives you away. Wow, isn't that an interesting statement? Do you know in all the years I've read that, I never saw that statement. I just went flying right by it. I got to thinking about it. One who associates with the Lord talks like the Lord. <laughs> Can't help it. Right? If you're a believer, you, you're going to talk like you're a believer. It's just going to come out. Somebody's rattling off something and saying, you know, I really don't believe in this creation thing. You're like, What? You get in a situation, people are like, you know, I'm really comfortable with this homo homosexual marriage stuff. What? Hey, guys, if you belong to the Lord, if you really belong to the Lord, it's going to come out of you. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just the way it is. Isn't that great? So you're going to make people uncomfortable. Isn't that great? How uncomfortable was Peter right about this time? The Bible says, verse 74, then he began to curse and swear. I, I had to look that up. Do you know, um, most theologians believe that it was a legal way of affirming one's innocence. Isn't that an interesting thought? <laughs> Oh, my goodness. I mean, he's going to the, to the uttermost to say, hey, I don't know who he is. 
Do you think it's possible? And this is a question you can answer out loud. Please do. Do you think it's possible to deny the Lord by being silent? I kind of do. Notice what it says. Then he began to curse and swear, I do not know the I do not know the man, and immediately a cock crowed. And Peter remembered the word which Jesus had said. Before a cock crows, you will deny me three times. Look at this last section. He went out and wept bitterly. And I think his life proves that what happens from here on. That weeping there in the passage, the Bible says he went out and wept bitterly. There was truly a sorrow for what he had done. Do you know, guys, that's what happens when we sin against God? There's sorrow. The Lord's looking for a what kind of heart? A contrite heart. That's what the Lord wants. So, Sin against the Lord can put one in an uncomfortable position. Well, we move from the Inquisition to the Confession. This is a really interesting confession. I hope you're ready to participate. You are. Great. He identifies himself as a Hebrew. Notice chapter 1, verse 9. Out of all the questions... This is what Jonah says. He said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and dry land. Isn't it interesting? Is Jonah right now in the position of obedience to his God? Answer, no. But wow. That's quite a confession of the Lord, isn't it? He identifies himself as a Hebrew. This was the name by which Israel was known to foreigners. If you read the Old Testament, you'll see that over and over again. Secondly, the word order in the Hebrew is interesting. And I just gave it this to you because I just liked it. The word order here is a Hebrew eye. A Hebrew eye. He identifies himself as a Hebrew. But there's one last observation here that's interesting in the Septuagint. You guys know what the Septuagint is, class? It is the Greek translation of the, thank you very much, Hebrew Old Testament. Do you know what it says in the Hebrew? Interesting. Or in, the, in the Septuagint? Septuagint reads, I am a slave of the Lord. I found that to be very interesting. Because that's not an unusual statement about those who belong to the Lord. Now, I think it is, however, a controversial statement. I think some people look at that and go, I really don't like that idea of being a slave to the Lord. Well, okay, but whether one likes the idea or not, if you belong to the Lord, you're his slave. He purchased you. 
True? He has rights to you. True? It's not the only time in the Bible where the term is used. In fact, James chapter 1, you can write these down and study them this afternoon when you're eating your pizza or whatever it is you're going to eat. James 1.1, James identifies himself as a slave of the Lord. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 1, Peter identifies himself as a slave of the Lord. Do you know why people don't like that word? You have to give up. <laughs> I give up. You're my master. In other words, I'm not going to do things my way. I'm going to do things your way. Now let me ask you a question about this slave named Jonah. Was he indicating by his actions that he was a perfect slave? No. But nonetheless, he was a slave. And listen, as a believer in Christ, we're not going to be perfect. We're going to sin. We're going to fall short. And I don't know about you, but as I get older, do you know that my picture in the mirror gets uglier and uglier? You're saying that is because you've got more wrinkles. Which I do have the wrinkles in the funniest places in my head. I was looking the other day, I got one right here. It just kind of angles out. Weird looking. I don't want you to come up to me after church and go, hey, that, let me look at your wrinkle. It's weird. We don't always look the part. Jonah didn't look the part, and you and I don't always look the part. But Jonah was a slave of the Lord. Peter said he was a slave of the Lord. James says he was a slave of the Lord. Jude said he was a slave of the Lord. In Jude 1.1, 1, 1, and do you know the Apostle John said he was a slave of the Lord, Revelation 1.1. 1, 1. Do you know, I wrote this down for, for my thinking, but for yours as well. The emphasis on being a slave of the Lord points to obedience. You know the story of Philemon and Onesimus? That will be your second part of reading today. Look at that master-slave relationship. Because we know our shortcomings. We know what they are. And probably more and more as we get older, we really know what they are. And we're not going to be perfect slaves, but that does not mean that the Lord does not own us. And that we don't have the responsibility to submit to Him and surrender to Him. So, I asked the question this morning of you, who are you? Now it's your turn to talk. Who are you? Don't tell me I'm from Argo, Alabama. Who are you? Slave of the Lord. More than that, though. We're slaves of the Lord. I'll give you another example. We're children of God. Right? What else? Come on, class. We're followers of the Lord. We're chosen by the Lord. And by, let me comment on that. As you get older and you understand that doctrine, you don't sit on a high and lofty stool and say, I'm chosen. You sit and say, I'm thankful. Right? Right? 
There's no room for arrogance in that. What else? A child of God, I'm a slave of Christ, I'm a servant of the Lord. I'm, I, whoa, who said that? Joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Okay, who has their mind wrapped around that? I wrote that down as one of mine. Joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Everything he gets, I get. What? And we look in the mirror, we go, man, I am not deserving. And we aren't. But do you know what makes us deserving? Can I tell you? It's a beautiful picture. We have been dressed with the righteousness of Christ. And that's the only reason we're deserving. <laughs> so it's never about us. So as I heard a guy say one time, get over yourself. It's never about you and it's never about me. It's always about him. Anything else? I'm loved. Well, that's a deep subject there. That'll be an additional uh, study time for you this afternoon. In what ways has God demonstrated his love toward us? Right? That's a good question. Somebody else? Ambassador. Okay? Do what? We're the bride of Christ. An ambassador represents who? Huh? He who sends them. And do you know what? Listen, this is beautiful. Thank you for mentioning that. Everywhere you go as a believer in Christ, you're representing him. And you don't get one moment off. And you're like, oh yeah, but I put for five minutes off. I just want five minutes off. Never a moment off. It's important to be honest about who we are. And honest with the world about who we are. And guys, listen, we have such an opportunity today to be honest with the world about who we are. Man, I'm a born-again Christian. Blah. So what if they go, blah? Right? Opportunity to witness to them. Can I read you a story about honesty? Good. I read this story. I'm like, man, even in the midst of his disobedience, Joan is just really honest about the Lord about who he is, his identity. President Lincoln was not only known as Honest Abe, he was also known as one who loved the truth. One day, he was visited by a gentleman who was in the habit of making promises without keeping them. He coaxed one of Lincoln's boys to sit in his lap by promising to give him the charm he wore, he wore on his chain or watch chain. The child climbed into his lap. Finally, the gentleman arose to go. And when Mr. Lincoln said to him, Are you going to keep your promise to my boy? What promise? Said the visitor. You said you would give him that charm. Oh, I could not, said the visitor. It is not only valuable, but I prize it as an heirloom. To which Mr. Lincoln said sternly, Give it to him. I would not want him to know I entertained one who had no regard for truth. You know, even in the midst of Jonah's disobedience, we see he's honest about who the Lord is and who the Lord is in his life. That's the second part of this. We're almost finished. 
Jonah identifies the Lord God. By the way, in the Hebrew, he identifies him as the only Lord. (laughs) There aren't any others. It's just him. Jonah says, God is the Lord. This name Jonah uses, Yahweh, points not only to his eternality and his self-existence, but as well shows his covenant relationship with the nation of Israel. I wish we had more time this morning because at some point in time, I need to talk about that covenant relationship with the nation of Israel. Listen to me, my friends. The pause button's been put on with the nation of Israel. God's not done with his people. And there's a theology out there today that drives me out of my mind. And it's called replacement theology. And if you hadn't heard about it, that's your what third or fourth assignment this afternoon. Go look it up. That somehow, some way, the church has replaced Israel. Wrong. It's not what the Bible says. <laughs> By the way, do you know that's in a lot of churches today? I mean, a lot of churches today. You started, and here's the thing about it. I have to say this while I'm here. One more thing. Do you know that if you trace that back to its root, if you say the church has replaced Israel, you know what you have done, whoever says this, you have called God a liar. That's the truth. That sounds really harsh, doesn't it? Who gave permission for the church to replace Israel? Who did that? God didn't. Ooh, it's heavy on my heart. That's one of those that, mm, if I did a series on it, y'all might have to calm me down. He says, God is the Lord. And Jonah declares that he worships the Lord. Well, right now he's not doing so well at that. You say, where do you get that? It's from the word fears. It says, or fear. It says, and he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord God of heaven. The word in the Hebrew means to revere, to be in awe, to worship. My friends, listen, we live in a culture today where people are being worshipped that have no need to be worshipped. Oh my goodness. Have our standards gone down? There is only one worthy of worship, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? But athletes are put on pedestals. Actors and actresses, it's like they're little gods and get away with anything. Won't go down that road. My friends... Jonah is saying here, I worship the Lord. I worship Him. And I want to encourage you this afternoon to think about, in that another assignment, how can we worship the Lord? How do we do that? It means to revere, to be in awe, to worship. And then thirdly, Jonah identifies the Lord God as ruler in heaven. Huh. I like what this verse says. So David, in the Chronicles, so David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly, and David said, Blessed are thou, O Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power, and the glory and the victory and the majesty, indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth. Thine is the dominion, O Lord. And thou dost exalt thyself as head over all. And what did Jesus Christ do? He affirmed that. All authority has been given to me where? In heaven. And on the earth. Well then, 
Jonah refers to the Lord as creator. And that's what leads us to verse 10. We'll get more of that next week. Notice what he says. I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Can you imagine what those guys must have been thinking at that time? I mean, basically, hey, bozo, what are you doing? And I put Nehemiah here. I tried to get different verses for you. There are other ones there. You could go to the Psalms and just read the entire Psalms and you'll see a lot more about creation. Nehemiah says, Thou alone art the Lord. Thou hast made the heavens, the heaven of heavens, and all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. Thou dost give life to them, to all of them. And the heavenly host bows down before thee. The Lord is the giver of life. So application. Then we can go home. After Naomi sings. Who is the Lord? Now notice I didn't say who is the Lord to you. I was doing this Bible study one time years ago in New York. And this particular group had got into this bad habit. At least I thought it was a bad habit. And I was only 26 or 20, I was 26. And we were teach, I was teaching through 1 John. And one of the ladies said, Dad, how come you never ask us what it means to us? I was 26. I'm not sure what I said. But I'm pretty sure and pretty confident because of the way I built that I said, well, you know, all of us have opinions, but let's try to get to the heart of what God has said. So, we, there, listen, the, think about how the, if you ask that question to the, to the world, who is the Lord? Imagine the answers you're going to get. I wrote down something that Tozier said. He said, what comes to our mind when we think of the Lord is the most important thing about us. I don't know if I agree with that completely, but I thought it was an interesting quote. What do we think of when we think of the Lord? What comes to your mind? That's a good assignment for this afternoon too. Assignment number six. I wrote this and we'll be done. The current culture is promoting a user-friendly God who is acceptable to men but in no way, in no way aligns with the Scriptures. My friends, the Lord is a holy, holy, holy God. The only one deserving of worship. And do you know that even in the midst of his disobedience, Jonah admits who his God is. Help us to be faithful, to speak forth the truth about who God is. Let's pray together. Lord, there's just so much packed into this little book. I had someone tell me last week he could probably preach every little line. <laughs> well, I'm trying to do that. Because there's nothing we need to leave out of your word. I guess I'm just one of those guys, I don't believe in that. I think we ought to address it. Not, might not always understand it. I freely admit that. We don't always know everything about it. Like the questions these guys asked. 
You know, it seems to imply certain things, but we don't, we're not told why the questions were asked. I think a lot of it had to do with the desperate situation they were in. Trying to find out who was responsible so maybe they could call out to their God and he could stop the winds. And the irony of that thought is that the man who knew the living God was right there in their midst. And he was running away from you and from your will. And Lord, as we talked about from the very beginning, we, we don't want to do that. Lord, we want to stay in line with your will. And we know, Lord, that you've given us your complete revelation in order that we might understand your will. And so I pray you'd help us to, to stand on it and to walk by it. Thank you so much for each one here this morning. And I pray if there's one here that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ, this morning could be the day of that salvation. We give you our time. We thank you for the precious time of being able to gather with other believers in Christ. And it's in the name of the only God, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Do you feel the world is broken? Do you feel the shadows deepen? But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? Do you wish that we could see it all made new? We do. Do you hear creation groaning? Is a new creation coming? Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? Is it good that we? ourselves of this it is is anyone worthy is anyone whole is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll the lion of Judah who conquered grave he is david's root and the lamb who died to ransom the slave is he worthy is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory is he worthy of this he Father truly love us? Does the Spirit move among us? And does Jesus our Messiah hold forever those He loves? Does our God intend to dwell again with us? He does.
Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah, who conquered the grave. He is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave from every people and tribe, every nation and tongue. He has made us a kingdom and priest to God to reign with the Son. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Is he worthy of this? You're not going to believe this. This week, I'm looking up two songs that I want to close with. That was one of them. He is. He's the only one worthy of worship, of honor, and glory, and blessing. Thank you, Naomi. Let's stand, church, and let's close in prayer. Lord, I was thinking this past week about what's coming in April. We, the 21st, will celebrate the resurrected Savior. I was thinking about the fact, Lord, we can do that every day. We're not limited to that one day. And where our culture focuses on the eggs, and we focus on the resurrection. I pray that It'll just ooze out of us, Lord, who we belong to every day. And if we're running from your will, I pray you would stop us. Put whatever it is in front of us, whatever storm, Lord. Because we want to, as believers in Christ, if we know you, we should desire to follow you in obedience. And while that won't be perfect, Lord... Um, I pray that we, we would desire that. And we thank you as we close the service today with the, the song, Lord, you are the only one worthy. The only one. Help us never to place anyone else in front of you. What a scene that is in heaven. The only one worthy to open the scroll is the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we want to say, if we belong to you, we're looking forward to your coming. And until you come for us, help us to be faithful servants of yours. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.